You are now listening to the Legends Lingo Podcast, presented by Student Union Sports. Here are your hosts, Al and Powder. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody, welcome back in Legends Lingo Podcast, episode 194, presented by Student Union Sports. Make sure to check out studentunionsports.com, check out all their writings, check out all the podcasts and all the content they have out on the website. Al Nahigan in tonight, no powder, long work night, working Tuesday and Wednesday night, long hours. We'll miss you, powder. He will be back. Don't worry. It's just getting to be his busy season, so we'll make sure that we get him back in the swing of things. No Maddie Burnett as our backup host, but the good thing is, is that because we're part of a new network, we want to bring in new family members, new team members, if you will. And we were fortunate enough that we found another Boston sports fan besides the NFL and his his team, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes. But we have a writer of Student Union Sports and the host of is of the Is It Saturday Yet podcast, a college football podcast on the Student Union Sports website. It is Andrew Diaz. Andrew, welcome to the show. Alan, I appreciate you having me on. I'm uh, I'm su- super excited to be uh, brought in here as as a you know you know third guy in, but uh, I- I'm looking forward to it, especially um, t- talk a little NFL, a little NBA. I'm pumped. Love talking about Boston sports. Okay, so so far, number one, nobody calls me Alan, which is a it's a shocking right. move. But no, you didn't know, so I'll I'll give you the you can right. just call me Alan. It's all good. I feel like I feel like I'm in the classroom. And they're like, uh, Mister Nahigian, Mister Allen, and I and I'm like, um, what? First of all, don't call me by my first name. Second of all, what? And then they're like, it, it, it's just the whole thing. But yeah. yes, so Andrew's here with us tonight. He'll get to pump out his own po- podcast. He's a Celtics fan. He's a Red Sox fan. He's a Bruins fan. And I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan, which I found that out before the podcast. And I'm like, huh, all right. He likes Kirk Cousins. Okay. That's 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 a very iffy move. But you know, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. I can dig it. I like it. I, I'd say like like for cousins is uh, a, a bit strong. Um <laughs> it, it, this season I'm, I'm loving him right now, but they, I mean it could change in a game where I am immediately calling for his head like I was probably at some point last season. So you know, right now, uh, Kirk Cousins is on my my love list, but it, it could easily easily flip. Oh, wait until it's a four twenty five or primetime game, then you'll hate him. Yeah, that, that's how I felt against Philadelphia. I'm like, this guy doesn't even look like he knows how. Like, he looks like a rookie right now. It looked awful against Philadelphia. Then you put him at one o'clock or overseas where they're playing at. You know, for us, nine a.m. He looks like uh, the, the second coming of Joe Montana. It's crazy. It's ridiculous, and the way Philly's playing this year is absolutely absurd. They just have yeah. everything. They they look like they can seriously come out of the NFC, which is shocking. But we'll get into all that. Patriots dropping an absolute stinker on Monday Night Football against the Bears. So we'll talk about that, everything that will happen with that, and we'll preview the Jets game the following week. We will talk Red Sox, a little bit of news coming out. Not really news, but a little bit of rumors coming out. So we'll talk about that. And the Celtics are 3-1 and one to start the season. We'll do all that. Quick little Bruins note: they're five and one. Andrew and I, we're not hockey guys. We just we're, we're not big hockey guys. Like we like the Bruins. We're casual about it. Listen, they score a lot of goals. They got to defend better. And Jeremy Swayman needs to play better. So there, there's your there's your Bruins second on the show. But Andrew, you're our guest tonight. We can talk Celtics. We can start with Patriots. We can start with Red Sox. What do you want to start with? Um, let's let's start, especially since we're coming off the Monday night game. We want to start with uh. With the Pats uh, getting beat up by Chicago at home. Oh, sure. I'd love to bitch about that. I mean, talk about that for the next, like, you know, half an hour. I'd love to do that. There's nothing more that I would love to do right now than talk about it. But, 
All right, let's just get into this. So mm-hmm. last week on the podcast, Matt Burnett was on the podcast. Again, make sure to check out Matt Burnett's podcast, the Burning and Chris podcast on all the social media platforms. We said coming into this game, and Andrew, I think you can agree with this, even as a non-Patriots fan, when you go into that game with the way the Bears have been playing, the way the Patriots have played the last two games against the Lions and the Browns, this should have been a very easy win for the Patriots, get to four and three, and then you got a three-game winning streak going into the Jets, right? That's what you think. Yeah, definitely. Especially you look at how New England's played too against right. against pretty, I mean, Cleveland's not a bad team. I think Detroit is probably the sneakiest like one in five team in the entire True. league. And when you have your backup and you lose the Green Bay, who's very good in overtime, like a couple weeks before, you're playing good, pretty good football. And then you, you get Chicago, you, you're kind of looking ahead to uh, New York, who looks very good. Right. You're kind of just looking right past them. Primetime game beat up on, uh, beat up on Chicago and, and get out of Foxborough with a win. Exactly. And that's, that's what everybody thought, including myself. I said it was going to be a blowout. I said it wasn't even going to be close. It was a blowout. It was just on the other end. Chicago yeah. blew out New England and could have scored more. But he- here's the basics of it. There's a couple things that bugged me about this game. Number one, the Patriots defense. Where were you? Mm-hmm. This was a chance to get above 500. This was a chance to be right in the thick of things in the playoff race in the AFC. Instead, you give up. Over 220 yards to three guys. You gave it up to Justin Fields. You gave it up to David Montgomery. And you gave it up to Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert and uh, David Montgomery, 62 yards on the ground each. Justin Fields, right around 82 or something like that, 84, 86. But the point is, once again, it's a case of Bill Belichick and his Patriots defense can't stop a mobile quarterback. It's the same shit over and over and over again, and it doesn't stop. And then when you think that, and another thing too that nobody talks about, and Andrew, I don't know if you've noticed this because I know you said you're a Vikings fan, you pay attention, Mm -hmm. but around the NFL, Patriots can't stop on third down. They can't get third down stops. They can't get off the field. Like, I go ahead. It is, it's tough to blame. Like, the defense has looked so bad, but like so many guys played, I thought, well last night too. I mean, Judon looked like he was on another planet with two sacks, just – only good guy on that defense last night abused larry borum and uh i i don't even know that as as their other tackle but i mean going into that game i i i was looking at uh some of the player props and i had it was you know was that like over to get at least one sack was uh the prop i was like i'll take that he gets two and a half it just is on another planet and And like five minutes too for you that was a nice easy win for you Oh, that was awesome. And then Juwan Bentley, I still thought played pretty well. Being their linebacking core, it, just talking about their inside guys, I think is pretty weak overall, name wise. But I still think those guys play as good as you can really ask them to, like Jelani Tavi or Tavai. It, it, it's right. tough when you don't have big name guys in the middle of your defense. So, and the the secondary just is so shoddy too. With yeah. Mills is so hot or cold. McCordy's getting old. Yeah. Duggar yeah. looks good, but it, it's, and he got hurt. There, there's going to be, I think, soon a lot of turnover with guys either signing free agents on defense or drafting guys in the upcoming draft to replace a guy like McCourty, uh, maybe cutting ties with Jalen Mills, and then even older guys in the D-line like Lawrence Guy. I think eventually those guys are going to be phased out, and I think it probably should be at the end of this season and getting some new blood in there. You need to, and I agree. You need to get new blood in there. Devin McCourty, it's going to be his last season. A guy like Matthew Slater on special teams, another guy that's going to be gone after this year. Kyle Duggar looks like he's going to be an anchor on that defense, but he's got to stay on the field. Adrian Mm -hmm. Phillips, a guy they signed in the offseason 
or not the offseason, in the middle of the season last year to, I think, a two-year extension. Another guy that for the next couple of years you need to rely on. So when these guys aren't playing well, that's a problem. And the Patriots have had the problem of stopping the run over the last couple of seasons. Now, they did a great job last week against Nick Chubb and the and the Browns. But then you go into this game, and the moment I knew, Andrew, I don't know, did you watch the whole game last night? Uh, yes. I, I tuned out a little bit towards the end of the fourth. But well, um, obviously, right. Yeah, yeah. But so I don't know if you remember, I forget what, I think it was in the third quarter. It was third down and long. Mm-hmm. Fields fumbles the snap. Yeah. Picks it up, runs for about 15 yards anyway. And I said to the, I said at that point, this game's over. They're, they're not winning this game. There's no shot because when you can't control a mobile quarterback, Justin Fields and that offense on the Bears, they were in like the bottom three in the NFL and total offense. Like yeah. they were not a good offense. The wide receiving core, yeah, you have Darnell Mooney, but that's that's about it for receivers. And then the backs are okay, but this wasn't an offense you had to worry about. And then they put up 33 on you, rush for over 250 total yards, and just in cause turnovers on defense. And we're going to talk about the Patriots offense in a second. But that defense, it, Andrew, man, it just did not look good. And I said I, they were good last week. I think the most alarming thing is that like Chicago's offense didn't the only stat that really I think sticks out is Fields having 82 rushing yards. Everywhere else felt pretty average. I mean, if you have two backs go for 60 yards a piece, that's that's not great, but that also shouldn't kill you. It's when the quarterback goes for 80. Yeah. And then I mean, Fields still threw one for one of one. He and he had 180 passing yards, which isn't crazy. And none of the receivers really lit up the the statute either. I think Mooney had might have had over 50 receiving yards and no one else came close. So I think that's probably the most alarming thing is that your defense plays well enough to not let guys, um, you know, run run all over you other than the quarterback. That's That should be the one thing that doesn't happen. I mean, Fields got bottled up, it felt like, two weeks ago against Washington. had right. Didn't p- play out of his mind like he did last night. So maybe it was the conditions. Fields kind of knew he'd be running a little more prepared for that and maybe – you know, New England just didn't game plan for that, which is a weird thing because Fields has proved that this season his legs have been the biggest weapon for him versus his arm. I mean, he's been oh, pretty yeah. awful through the air this entire season, probably a bottom three quarterback. So to not game plan for him running the ball in a game where it's raining, the weather's not great, it, it, that's shame on the coaching staff that more than on the defense. So let's talk about the coaching staff and game planning for a second, right? So let's let's transition for a second. Mm-hmm. So now let's talk about the Patriots offense. And the obvious thing that everyone's talking about around the yeah. world is the Mac Jones versus Bailey Zappi debate. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put my thoughts out there in a couple minutes, but here's, here's what I don't understand. Mac Jones says he's good enough to start. Mm-hmm. And that's great. You put him in for the first drive, three and out is what it is. Okay, whatever. Second drive, three and out. Again, offense doesn't look great. Okay. Third drive, get a couple first downs. You throw that bad pick that was intended for John U. Smith, and then he's gone. He's done for the night. Yeah. But but what's weird to me about that is that apparently it was planned that Mac was going to play and Bailey Zappi was going to play. Mm-hmm. If you're a football fan, specifically in this case a Patriots fan, that's that's really alarming. Definitely really alarming. So then, right. So, and this is what I'm getting at, Andrew. So you want Mac Jones to be the guy and Mm. truthfully, and so I'll just come out and say it. 
who do I think should start the rest of the season? If I had to pick one, I'm picking Mac Jones because people forget. Right. And I do want to hear your opinion about it in a second as a non-Patriots guy, but Mac Jones is a guy that when you run the offense that Bailey Zappi is running under Matt Patricia, he had success last year. He -hmm. went 10 and seven. He held you. He was the catalyst behind that seven game win streak along with great defense and timely plays. You are giving you're kicking this guy to the side. It's 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 a it's a terrible cliche, a bad pun, whatever you want to call it. But it's it's similar to the old one situation with Bledsoe and Brady. Mm-hmm. Like you have a guy that's talented, that's proven, and then the unknown draft pick comes in, he plays a couple good games, and then everybody forgets about it. Like last night, when Mac Jones left the game, and when he when he was doing bad, and then when he left the game, and everyone was cheering for Zappy. And calling for Zappy when Mac was still playing, I felt bad for Mac. Mm-hmm. You have to. He's a he's a good guy. He's a leader. He wants to get better. He just missed three games because of a high ankle sprain. He played three series in a total of like maybe 11, 12 plays. And you already want him done. You already want him traded. You already want like Patriots fans are so spoiled because of Tom Brady. And I'm sorry. Like I, I realized that I was spoiled with Brady too, but you got this is the guy. He can be a guy if you put the right pieces around him and if you call the right offense, and they're not doing that. It was so blatantly obvious with Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones how different Patricia called the offense, the offenses, and I don't get why. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think Mac should be the guy. I don't think last night should have been the game he came back. I think, you know, the again, coming back to the weather, you don't want a guy that recently banged up his ankle to be playing in a game like this. And, you know, it felt rushed to bring him back. I think that also um, that was I mean, all of this last night was just red meat for the the Pats beat, which can be very unsufferable, insufferable at times. Um, but, yeah, I think it should be Mac the rest of the season while Zappy's been great. You, you know, now, you know, you have a good second guy in um, if Mac were to go down again. But I mean, last year, Mac had, I think what was it over 3,500 passing yards and over 20 touchdowns as a rookie in, you know, a a pretty brutal uh, division where, you know, a lot of the, like Buffalo was very tough. They had a very tough schedule and didn't have a lot of great weapons around him. And again, you're putting him with, you know, your top weapon might be Ramondre Stevenson, maybe Devontae Parker. Your two tight ends that you signed have been non-existent in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. So he he needs a guy that's a reliable check down. Like he needs Hunter Henry or Johnny Smith to play a lot better to succeed. And last night was just not his night. And I I still stand by he should have never played last night. Even if you lose the game because Zap plays the whole time, it's oh oh well. It's not. I don't think it's as big. Mm -hmm. Now you have the QB controversy with uh, a twenty point loss just kind of hurts team morale overall, I think. And now it's uh, it leaves the door open for uh, just guessing every week about who's going to play, which I think is is not a good look. But, yeah, I agree with you. It should be Mac. And it, it, this isn't college football where if one guy doesn't work for two series, you're going to rotate quarterbacks or where you go into the game planning that you're going to rotate quarterbacks. That feels very um, Bush League high school or yes. – uh, or college where you've got a guy that can really sling it and a guy that's great on his legs. So it, it's right. 
like, like kind of like what what uh Vegas did last year, where they went with Mariota and Carr a little bit. Yeah, like they, like they game plan for that. That was a a set game plan. They weren't saying, "All right, Carr, you're gonna go two drives. Mariota, you're gonna go one drive. And we're gonna just keep that rotation the entire game until one of you guys finds a rhythm." It, it, it's stuff like this when you're New England, where your offense re- doesn't rely on really pushing the ball down the field. It's a lot of uh, you know third down, third and two pick that up and stay alive, chew some clock that you can't do two QBs in that type of offense. You can't. And by the way, listen, man, we only lost by 19. We didn't lose by 20. That one point makes a difference. That one point makes a difference. Okay. (laughs) It's still, it's, it's pretty bad. It should have been like 25, 26. It should have been more, Mm -hmm. but no, it's, it it was a, it was a blowout. It was, it wasn't even close, but here's the thing, right? And to your credit, Andrew, I give you credit for this point. You didn't game plan to have, Mac and Zappy, and you knew that it, like you said, the perfect comparison was the Vegas situation last year when you said with Mariota and Carr. I agree with that hundred percent. Now here's the thing, and I wrote about this on on fan side of the Chatter and Champions portion of the site. Go check that out. Shameless plug. I wrote about how Bailey Zappy should have started this game because it's like you know what? Now Mac's confidence is low, and you're going into New York against the Jets team that's very confident. That's one four in a row that has young talent and has winners in that organization. Now, meanwhile, you don't know who your quarterback is. And by the way, shame on Bill Belichick for just being the pompous ass that he is. And I don't, very, I don't swear on this, on this podcast a lot, you know, cause educator mouth, but you know what? I don't care. He's being a pompous ass about being so secretive and being like, uh, well, we'll decide what's best for the team. Uh, uh, we'll we'll decide on game day. Like, shut up, Bill. Just tell tell everybody what they want to hear. You did it when Brady was over Bledsoe in 01. You did it when Cam Newton was the starter over Jared Stidham in 2020. You were going to do it again in 2021 until you cut Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. So why, why now when you have a rookie or you had a guy that was a rookie last year that threw, by the way, I have his, his stats right here. Mac Jones last year. Uh, 67.6% completion percentage, 3,801 yards, 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and a QBR rating. I think it was like, uh, I don't know if that's right, 50.9. That doesn't sound right. I think I'm just looking at it. But the point is, right, he was a guy that went in and did the job. He was a guy that was accurate. He was a guy that hit guys in stride, and you could get big chunk plays. When Bailey Zappi played, he played against the Lions that, like you said, sneaky one and five, mm-hmm. but they give up a lot of points. Right. right. Cleveland, that's going to Cleveland. And you played against Green Bay. You played basically the whole game against Green Bay against a Green Bay team that's going downhill mm-hmm. and that you should have beaten. Like you should have beaten yeah. them. Plain and simple. You should have beaten them in overtime. Better coaching gets you that win in overtime. No doubt about it. But everyone forgets now you have a solid first rounder that guys want to rally around. Like Jacoby Myers even said, you feel bad for a guy that works hard like that. And I think he was either talking about one of two things, either the booings that happened and calling for Zappy or Belichick with his comments. And I think it's the first one. Well, I, I think it was a mix because he said, I, I saw a tweet where it was, uh, he said it, it was just an ugly situation all around. So I think he kind of, I, I definitely think he was referring to the boos primarily, but I, I think he was also referencing, like you said, you know, the, the kind of indecision by the coaching the coaching staff to, you know, not commit to one quarterback for the entire right. game, but the booze definitely. And it is, I always find it weird when Pats fans do boo because it's like, you've been good for so long. Like it, it's, 
one bad season, it, it you need to hop on with the rest of the NFL. I've suffered, uh, even though I'm younger, I've suffered a lot of unfun Viking seasons where they've gone, you know, three and 13, Adrian Peterson tears his ACL um, seasons where Sam Bradford was our starting quarterback. So it's, it's been rough. And there are a lot of teams that have been through it rough. So I do think winning has almost uh, been the worst thing for the Pats fan base off the fact that when one bad thing happens, it's, uh, you know, code red, sound the alarms. We need to make a change right away. But yeah, the Belichick needs, I think, to almost stay in his way of, you know, where he is, like you said, kind of kind of a pompous ass, and but needs to just stick to one decision and have him make the clear decision. Because if you make one decision, even if you lose or it doesn't go the way that you thought it was, at least you kind of stuck by it and you weren't hemming and hawing about, oh, maybe I should do this, maybe I should do that, and kind of stuck in the middle. If you make one decision, it, that's better than just kind of straddling the fence and not really deciding and committing to something. Just off track real quick. How old are you, Andrew? I'm 21. Oh, so you were so you were born in what, 2001? Yes. Oh, so you weren't alive for the 98 Vikings. Oh, man, if you were alive for that and competent for that, that might have been that because that team was a wagon with Randy Moss yeah. and Chris Carter. And I think Randall Cunningham might have been on that team, too. Yeah, I, I'm not I, still, mistaken. I still say it's the best receiving duo that's ever been ever possibly ever put together. You had two, I think, top 10 guys. And oh, a, yeah. A top three guy with Moss. I mean, I if, if I could have been alive for that, it would have been a painful end uh, to, to that season. But uh, watching them play would have been awesome. No, of course. And, and I just thought about that because you were saying like you had a lot of vacancies. No, I get that. But the thing, too, and yes, a great point by you about Patriots fans being spoiled with the winning. Like, no, Tom Brady's not coming through the door again. Like, yeah. that, that was a once in a generation, once in a lifetime type thing. He did great things here. He's probably going to retire after this year, even though he says he's not going to retire. But that's that's a whole other story. Right now, you have a Patriots team that doesn't have any true coordinators on either side of the ball, has a head coach that some people are questioning, is he past his prime? Now, I don't know if he's past his prime, but he's definitely not making decisions that I think he would have made f- even five years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think he's he's slowly becoming a guy. I don't know if it's disinterest. I don't think it's disinterest, but I think there's just something different because he knows Brady's not there. Can't bail him out. And he's trying to prove that he can coach without Brady. And right now it's not working because you take a look at the the three seasons the Patriots have had since Brady left. You had the seven and nine 2020 season with Cam Newton. You had the 10 and seven season last year with Mac Jones and getting obliterated in the wild card game by the bills in Buffalo. And now you're three and four to start. So when you do the numbers on that real quick, that's seven and nine. We'll say 10 and eight because of the 18th game. That's 17 and 17. So right now you are 20 and 21 since Tom Brady has left the Patriots and Bill Belichick hasn't had him. That that's uh, de- definitely, it, it, it's tough. I, I, the one thing that, you know, reassured uh, me a little bit for Belichick was, probably the draft class that he had this year, I think was pretty good, especially because you came off, I think two draft classes that were pretty, pretty bad. You got a couple guys that worked out, but Cole Strange, uh, Tyquan Thornton and Bailey Zapp really 
four or three really good picks in the first four rounds. Right. And that was the one thing I was like, maybe he's back. Maybe, maybe it's not the decline of Belichick right now, but uh, seeing right now, it, it, it's definitely tough. I, I wonder who the number one choice to take over, say he retired at the end of the year, at least for you, who would you think or, or want? I, I think those would be two different things thinking who's going to take over and who you'd want to take over. Who would, who would that be? So I have two names in mind. The first mm-hmm. name that I would want, Mike Vrabel, because he's a guy that's proven that he can win in Tennessee. And I think Tennessee starting to go downhill a little bit. He might be out at the end of the year. He could very well. That would be, I would love to see Mike Vrabel come back and coach the Patriots. And then the other one, and I know this is going to be an unpopular pick, but Josh McDaniels coming back in here, at least offensively, he knows what he can do with the players around him. He knows how to run an offense. Yep. But if I had to choose my number one ideal guy, it would be Mike Vrabel, hundred percent. That that would be an awesome thing to see him come back here and coach. Because oh yeah, I mean the, the first few years it's with Tennessee, he's done amazing things. That division's so shaky where you never know how good a team will actually be. And I mean he's beaten some really good Colts teams, some you know competitive Texans teams, and made some good playoff runs. So I, I Vrabel coming back here would be definitely an entertaining thing to see. Oh, for sure. I would love that. He'd probably promise to, you know, cut off a part of his ear or his pinky or something if they won a Super Bowl. And that would be as alpha as a move as it can be. But we're going to move past the the Bears game. Let's get into this Jets game real quick. It's so hard because so we're recording on Tuesday, October 25th. The Patriots literally played not even 24 hours ago as we're recording this. And I still feel it like I didn't want to go into school today. I was in a bad mood today. People were coming up to me. They're like, well, everything okay? You look tired. I'm like, I stayed up to watch the Patriots get there, and I didn't say this part, but get their ass kicked. Yeah. So I wasn't too happy about that. I, I almost considered giving my classes a pop quiz today. I teach math, so I was considering giving them a pop quiz. I texted one of my friends and actually former multi-time de- guest, Jared Scally. Mm-hmm. I was like, should I give my kids a pop quiz? He's like, yeah, go in there. Just be like, Patriots played bad. You're, everyone gets a pop quiz today. Just make your bad day everybody's bad day. Uh, exactly. Right from the rip. exactly. Oh man, I was thinking about it, but I I couldn't do that. I that would be really that'd be too mean of me. That's but mean. that's mean. That, that would be cold blooded. Absolutely cold blooded. All right, Patriots Jets. So so here's the thing, the Jets are really good this year. They yeah. are. Their defense is good. Their defensive line is really good. Guys like Sauce Gardner, a guy in that secondary. Very, very talented. Offensively, they can do some things. They lost Brees Hall, looks like, for the year, but then they trade for James Robinson. Yeah. So it's – and they're almost – they play very similar, the two backs, Robinson and Hall. Right. Like, they've they've got essentially the same play style, so you you don't really lose a step in that RB duo of uh, Michael Carter, who's kind of your receiving guy, and then James Robinson, who's – you know, you're you're more – he's not like a a power back, like a – a Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson, but he's uh, going to be your true runner now for, while Carter will be able to split out wide, um, be be a big help for you on third and long. Mm-hmm. The, this Jets team, I mean, and even there, there's a pretty ragtag bunch on offense where their O-line coming into the season looks nothing like it does right now with Makai Becton on IR, uh, George Fant on IR, right. uh, Elijah Vera Tucker on IR. Yeah, that, that was, Vera Tucker was the guy that just got hurt, right? Yeah, yeah, the rookie guard. So, yeah. I, I mean, even with that happening, you've kept probably your biggest piece on the O-line, which is Lake and Tomlinson. But then you uh, you signed Mike Remmers, who 
um, you know, kind of had a couple shaky years towards the, 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 or I should say the past few seasons with Minnesota and Carolina, and he's played well. Um, Dwayne Brown played very well for an older guy. So th- this game feels tough, especially if Gardner just hops on uh, Devontae Parker. There's not much um, through the pass game that's going to work for New England. So it's going to have to be a big run game where you rely on your O-line, which is probably your most solid unit because it's guys that have been together for uh, a, a good amount of time, especially David Andrews has been the anchor for there, and Cole Strange has played very well. So yeah, too bad. Play. Too bad. David Andrews is going to be out because he's probably he has a concussion. He's probably not going to clear protocol in time. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. So David Andrews got hurt late in the Bears game because of a blindside hit. So now he's in he's in concussion protocol. So, like, but I do see what you're saying, Andrew. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, yeah, no. it looks like Andrews isn't going to play. But uh, continue. It, it, but I mean, then you have to run into a very good D line with you know Carl Lawson who's playing good, coming off a torn ACL. Yeah. Um, you've got Solomon Thomas, Quinn Williams. It's almost the Jets signed guys that, you know, it felt weird for them to sign. And Carl Lawson's like the perfect example where it felt like their career was kind of dying and then just got resurrected, which it feels like New York should not be that place. (laughs) Or it's never felt like that place when they throw money at a free agent. It just never seems to work out, but it's worked out in the sense of Carl Lawson and Dwayne Brown, where they've been great plug and play guys. And, And offensively, they've got so many young weapons with, you know, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson. And then that, that, to that double RB punch is just ridiculous. Oh. Even when you lose who I think was going to be rookie of the year, Brees Hall, oh, yeah. you just bring in a guy that rushed for a thousand yards as a rookie. So uh, it, it's going to be a tough one, but I mean, it, it's the jets again. So the it jets have always struggle against new England, no matter how good a jets team is. So I always keep that in mind. There's, there's a few matchups around the league where no matter how good one team is and how bad another, maybe it, it the game's not this, um, not going to be a blowout, or at least it doesn't feel like it going into the game. And this is one of those matchups. I agree with it. And I think the the Jets haven't beaten the Patriots since like 2016 or something like that, like something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. So Andrew, I'll ask you as the guest and then I'll, I'll come with my guest. So all the time we come up with score predictions just to see, mm-hmm. we never get it right, but it's still fun to do. Yeah. So yeah. give me your score prediction for this game. Before you do that, according to DraftKings, Right now, the Patriots are one-and-a-half-point favorites going into the game, which I don't know how they are. That's that's shocking to me. Yeah. I think it's what you said, having the, the previous success against the Jets. Mm-hmm. Over-unders, 40-and-a-half, and Patriots are minus 125 money line. Um, So I think New England wins. I think they get to 500. I think we see... Uh, a, a very it, it won't be, I don't think it's going to be an, an enter I shouldn't say entertaining but it's going to be a methodical traditional type of Patriots game where they score points and uh the game this on the scoreboard it looks close but uh when you're watching it it won't feel as close I think we get like a 24 17 or a 24 I'll go 24 17 New England um I think the Jets get a, a garbage time touchdown late uh, to make it the the score look a lot closer than it than it should be, but I got twenty four seventeen New England. Oof. You hear that, folks? He's trying to buy his way in for another appearance on this show. That, that's why he's <laughs> going with the Patriots. Oh, I don't want to do this to be a homer, but I have to do it. I got Patriots over the Jets, and I'm going to regret this. Patriots twenty four, Jets twenty one. It, it's a it's a division game. You still have Zach Wilson at quarterback. I don't buy Zach Wilson. I really don't. I think 
like you said, the Patriots are going to rely on the running game. They're going to rely on Stevenson and they're going to rely on Damian Harris. And hopefully you can figure out that center position because if you don't, could be in for a very uh, boring yawn, but a very long day at the office. And hopefully Mac Jones will be starting and hopefully he gets his rhythm back. And I think this is the game that he gets his mojo back a little bit. Who who's the backup center? Is it Ferentz? Yeah, I think it's James Ferentz. That's not, I mean, he's been around long enough where right. you know he's not he's not an undrafted rookie that you kind of have to throw into the fire. He he's been around, he's played guard and center for them a few for, for a couple of years now. So I mean that's not Obviously, it's not David Andrews, but it's uh, no, but not, it's, it, it could be worse. It could be. And you're hoping guys like Kendrick Bourne come back and can give you something because he was out with turf toe. Christian Barmore is another guy that you really need back, especially yeah. to plug up the middle on the run. So, so Andrews got a 24-17 win. I got a 24-21 win. Hopefully, by this time next week when the recording happens, the Patriots will be 500. So, we shall see. All right. Enough Patriots. Let's get into some Celtics, a, a team you actually like. Uh, something a little le- a little less angry. We'll we'll get, we'll we'll try to lighten the mood with uh, the, the Celtics here because they're off to a good start. They are. So the Boston Celtics. So last time when we recorded last week, the, the Celtics only played one game. They opened up with a season opening win against the 76ers. And excuse me, since then, sheesh, excuse me, they played three games. It's at Chipotle. It, it just it hits you every time. So. Since the first game of the season against the 76ers, mm-hmm. the Celtics have beaten the Miami Heat on the road 111 to 104. They've beaten the Magic on the road 126 to 120, and then lost to the Bulls on Monday night for their first loss of the season 120 to 102. So you take a look, and the big question, Andrew, that I have for you is this I'm going to crunch some quick math real quick. So you got 117 and 104 is 221, plus 120 is 341. Plus 120 is 461. The Celtics are giving up an average of 115 points a game. Don't ask me how I did that so quickly. Math teacher, just good with math. So don't ask. But the question that I have for you is this. So new head coach, Joe Mazzula, obviously, because of the Ime Udoka situation, which who knows what's happening with that. But Ime is not going to coach another game in Boston again. I'm confident in that. Mm -hmm. Do the Celtics have a legitimate problem right now with their defense? Because... Before you answer, let me just say this, because I've seen it on Twitter, like all the guys like at Celtics blog, Keith Smith, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Greenberg of Barstool, like they're all seeing the same thing, like their defense, they're having problems with their switches, they're having problem on specifically on the pick and rolls. So my question to you, Andrew, is do the Celtics, and I know it's only four games in, but so far, should you be concerned with their defensive efforts? Um, I, I It's early, so I'll say no. But if we get about 15 games in and this um, continues, then I would definitely say yes. And, you know, you lose – while Marcus Smart was the defensive player of the year last year, I, I think you lost your best defender in Rob Williams. Because oh, yeah. he really he, – he put the fear of God in guys when they would drive to the paint and was a prolific shot blocker and, and was just a stud. So losing him hurts because while I love watching Horford play – um, he, he's a fun guy to root for. He's nowhere near the defensive presence that you want in the middle. And they don't really have that on the roster with even Blake Griffin. Isn't that guy anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you had Blake Griffin of five years ago, then you have, you know, that guy, like he is that defensive presence that you need in the middle, but they don't really have that on the roster right now. But with the amount of points they're scoring, I guess 
the best defense is more offense. So if you're scoring, uh, what are they probably averaging? Like a, close to 120 points a game, 125 maybe. Let's see. Uh, it, you, you, while you do that, I'll crunch the numbers. Continue. Yeah. It, it, so, I mean, if you're still putting up a, a, a lot of points game after game, then it, I guess it's defensively you still have an issue. But if you're scoring that much, it, it, it's, it doesn't matter because you're winning games. So I, yeah. I guess that's how I look at it. If you're going to put up that many points and, and really run the floor on teams, then that's not an issue. But when you start to get into the playoffs, that's where it'll become an issue where you run into a, a tough Milwaukee team that's going to try to grind it out on you. Yeah. Um, you know, the the Sixers, a guy like Harden and Embiid, they'll turn into different animals uh, once the playoffs roll around. So that's where you have to be concerned. I think they have to start getting it together now. But um, at the moment, I'd say no, just because of how early it is. That I can agree with, and I, I did the number crunching. They're averaging just over 116 points a game. So literally they're they're averaging one more point than their opponent right now. But with that being said, the Chicago game I kind of knew was going to be a letdown because they, they started out on fire in the first quarter. They were yeah. up like it's 17 in the first quarter. But then they ran into a lull, and you know what? They beat Miami, who obviously had revenge in their minds after the Eastern Conference Finals Game 7. Jimmy Butler hits that three. We might have a whole new narrative going into the offseason. But mm. this is a team that, yes, misses Robert Williams, especially in the paint, because if guys get beat on the dribble, Robert Williams can just float over. And then all of a sudden you got this big guy in the middle that you can't get around and has unbelievable shot blocking ability. Yeah. So that's number one. And then number two, I think Joe Missoula is really putting an emphasis on, we know we can play defense. Mm-hmm. Let's run our offensive sets and get our offense going. And then we can backtrack and fix the defensive mistakes if need be. So I, I agree with you. I think it's early. I think also too. look at the, look at three of the first four games, 76ers who's, who are going to be a contender in the East, the yeah. heat who were with you in the Eastern conference finals last year and the bulls that were a playoff team and mm-hmm. the magic you were on the second night of a back-to-back. So yeah. it, that's a tough first four games to go three and one. I'll gladly take it only two games this week. Home against the Cavaliers on Friday. That's going to be a good test, especially with Donovan Mitchell now part of that yep. Cavs core. And then against the Wizards on Sunday, um, both at home. So in two games, what do you got for a record just for fun? Uh, I think that, I mean, you forget how good Cleveland got over the offseason by, you know, acquiring Mitchell. They still have Darius Garland. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, that that guard duo is pretty lethal. So, but I still think they win that game, you know, coming home after three games on the road. And then I think you beat Washington because there's no real threat for them other than Bradley Beal, who even if he drops 59 points on you, uh, no one else is going to make up what he make up for, or at least help him out. I should say no one on that team is going to help him. I mean, what's your second option? Kyle Kuzma. That's like that. not great offensively. So I think they're two and out. And then they go back on the road or they go out to Cleveland again. So, yeah. It'll be fun to kind of see if they do lose that Cleveland game, see how they kind of adjust, or if they do win, see how Cleveland adjusts to uh, try to beat, um, you know, the, the matchups of uh, probably Smart on Mitchell and then Brown on Garland or or vice versa, see how th- those two uh, game plans kind of switch over the, the span of a week. I, I think one of two things happens. I think either they lose the Cleveland game and then they go 3-0 and the next week, and I'll say why in a second, or – they go 2-0 and this week and 2-1 and next week. I think they go 4-1 in their next five. Because their next five games, they're home against Cleveland, home against Washington, at Cleveland, home against Chicago, at the Knicks. 
Mm-hmm. So I think in that span, I think they're going to get revenge on the Bulls at home. I think they're going to find a way to get it done at home. They'll split with the Cavs and go one and one. They should beat the Wizards, but the Wizards play the Celtics extremely tough. Yeah, which is which is scary a little bit. And then you should beat the Knicks. The Knicks have been they were good two years ago. They took a, a couple steps back in 2021. Now in 2022, they're trying to find like their identity again. I don't know. I, and then that sets you up for a really intriguing Monday night, November 7th matchup at Memphis. So I, I'm looking forward to that game very much. Oh, um, yeah. Because I, I, I do want to see if they roll Brown on on Morant or if they go with Marcus Smart, because that matchup is going to be super intriguing. And that that Memphis oh, yeah. is very young, too, and just super explosive. But I, I think what's tough about Chicago, and they're the team I probably fear the most, Really? When it comes down to like playoff time, just because they play so tough. I think that was one of the teams was like, I don't want to run into them for the playoffs. Don't want to run into them. And now they got, they just look even better. I mean, DeRozan plays so well. Levine plays so well. And you've got Vucevic, who's one of the better centers in the NBA right now. They're a team that does make me a little nervous when it comes down to uh, playoff time, probably more than anybody else. Them and Miami are the two teams that I just, prefer to not have to play. I, I'd be fine with the Sixers, no matter how good they are, or who they have. The Celtics play very good against the Sixers. So um, it, to be able to win some games against Chicago this year would be nice, especially um, beating them in, in a week or two. So that would definitely be nice. See, I'm the opposite of you. I, I fear the Sixers because okay. of, because of the tandem of Harden and Embiid, especially if Harden mm-hmm. finds his shot that night, because you know what? Nobody right now, Till Rob Williams comes back, nobody can stop Embiid on the Celtics. And then with the Bulls, the thing about the Bulls was last year, they were in like the bottom five or six teams in the NBA in terms of defensive efficiency. They were not a good defensive team last year. The Celtics scored at will against them. And I mean, they got over 100 points in this game, but you give up 120, you got to fix something defensively. But the teams that I fear, and I've said it, are Philly and Milwaukee. But again, that's down the line right now. You hope that they can go four and one in their next five. Get to seven and two, and then you're in a really good spot in the East. So we're feeling good about the Celtics right now. That's one thing we can feel happy about. Yeah. And, and even though it's the start of the season, I, I think they're the past few years, it's always been good to have them. If the Red Sox haven't been good, Bruins haven't been good. Um, it, it's good to have the Celtics. They're they're consistent for you. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, are always at least in the top, the top half of the Eastern Conference, which is nice. Exactly. All right, let's talk about those Red Sox really quick, and then we're going to kind of wrap up. Before we do that, though, shout out to our sponsors, A&B Kitchen and Bar in Boston and in Beverly, Massachusetts. Whether you want the game day experience or you want to just have a good meal with your family and friends, go check out A&B Kitchen and Bar in those two locations. From freshly made meals to locally crafted beers, they have everything that you need. So make sure that you head to A&B Kitchen and Bar. Tell them the Legends Lingo boys sent you. Good times, good people, better atmosphere. A and B kitchen bar. All right. Last topic of the night. Red Sox. There are some rumors flying, Andrew. Some big rumors. There are. And one of those rumors that's coming out, and I want to get the exact tweets on this because if I don't, it's going to drive me absolutely crazy as I try to spell it on Twitter. But basically, they involve Rafael Devers. Mm-hmm. And there have been conflicting reports from different sources. So let me see if I can get the actual tweet up. So so this first one was from, excuse me, Yancel Pulhos, who 
for those who don't know him and his biography is son of a farmer. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. Son of father of. So basically he's a guy that's around Devers. He's a guy that's been around Devers. Hector Gomez is another guy. And basically what they said is, is that the Red Sox have begun the negotiation process for Rafael Devers. They're supposed to be aggressive. They supposedly are aggressive. They want to get a deal done in like the seven year range for more money than they offered last year. And it was his 26th birthday the other day. Him and Jalen Brown have the same birthday, which I thought was kind of cool. That is cool when you're two, uh, well, hopefully two young stars that are sticking around have uh, this, the same birthday. It's a pretty cool thing. It is. It's something that we're going to definitely celebrate all the time. But here's here's where I have the problem. Why didn't you get this done last offseason? Because it, a couple things, right? First of all, there's the Xander Bogarts effect. Yeah. Bogarts and Devers love playing together. They're best friends. We've seen that now for a couple of years. If you had signed Devers in the last offseason, number one, probably would have been cheaper. You probably yeah. could have gotten him for a lot cheaper, but still on a good deal. And number two, that would have enticed Bogarts to want to sign a long-term extension too. So you could have taken care of the left side of your infield for the next five to seven years, mm-hmm. sign Trevor Story, Watch Tristan Cassis develop as a first baseman. And there's your infield for the next five to seven years. But you decided not to. You decided to lowball these guys. You decided that you weren't going to try to get it done. Now look at the position you're in. Like, would it really surprise you if Xander Bogarts walked in free agency to a team like Philly or St. Louis or even the Yankees? No, because they all need shortstops and they're all going to pony up the dough. Oh, definitely. Especially Philly going to the World Series now. I mean, it's... Why, why would you not want to play there, especially if they're going to pay you a bag, you're going to be the starting shortstop, and then there's the potential to play with a guy like Bryce Harper and make it back to another World Series. Why would you not want to leave? And, you know, you've been in Boston for a, your whole career now. It, mm-hmm. it's, it would be tough to leave, but, you know, money talks at the end of the day, especially in baseball. Oh, you yeah. see those, those big um, multi-year contracts break up uh, pretty long marriages between a player and a franchise before, so – I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that happened, which would be super upsetting because, you know, him and Devers have since Betts left have kind of been like those two guys that it's very easy to root for and that you kind of that fans at least want to keep in the city of Boston. So it, it would hurt to see uh, Bogarts leave. Uh, Andrew, remind me, who's the GM in the Philadelphia Phillies again? Is it Dave Dombrowski? Oh, that's right. OK, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. The, the guy that actually will spend money. <laughs> it, it's. I, I am. I was excited about the Heim Bloom hiring initially, and now I'm, um, you know, regretting my initial thoughts about it because in Tampa you can do the 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 low money signings and um, you know bring in guys that uh, could are either at the start of their career or back end of the career and it works out. Boston's a big market. Spend the money, and I do think the spend the money at, uh, approach has kind of hurt them in the past because then you get big contracts for guys like Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford. But when you've got a market or a, a market like Fenway where guys want to play, you need to go out there and spend money and keep a keep your star your big stars around and b bring in even bigger stars, which there you I mean you can do, especially like the the pitching staff is hurting. You need to bring in a big named guy on the pitching staff. So I, I don't know. Heimbloom, the Heimbloom experiment in Boston is not uh, working out right now, and it's it's really hard to watch. 
Oh, it's it's disgusting to watch. I, I barely watched the games this year. It was so bad to watch. Here's the thing, right? And here's why I asked that mocking way of Dave Dombrowski. Dave Dombrowski spent money. Dave Dombrowski made moves. And I was listening to, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I listened to Felger and Maz the other day on 98.5 The Sports Hub. And Tony Maserati, I know he can be annoying on the on the broadcast, but he he's a smart baseball guy, and he brought up a great point. A lot of these guys that you saw, that you saw this year, Brian Bayo, Tristan Casas, those were Dave Dombrowski guys. Those were guys that were drafted in Dombrowski's tenure. The only big name that you have right now that's a Heim Bloom guy is Marcelo Meyer because he was the number four overall pick because you had a bad COVID season and you got the number four pick and Meyer slid down to you. So that's the only reason you got him. So my point is you have Rafael Devers, who's one of the best hitting, just one of the best hitters in baseball. Yeah. And continuously improving at third base. You have Sandra Bogarts that was in the thick of things for the batting title this year until the last week of the season. And by the way, he's also a guy that just got nominated for a gold glove at shortstop. Mm-hmm. So I think he's pretty good, Andrew. I don't know. What do you think? You think Xander Bogart's pretty good? He, he's a guy I'd throw the bag at. I mean, I, I, I you need to keep him around. He's a very good player. It, it, it's it's not even a question. Not even a question. It, it, it will be frustrating to see uh, either of these guys leave Boston and, and for it to be because they're not give they're not spending money. I think we'll that'll that'll really start the revolt amongst the fans. And like we mentioned before. It's not just Patriot fans. Boston sports fans can be very irritable. And yes. you know, if somebody's not willing to make moves or keep around some of their, their favorite players, the, the worm can turn very quickly. And if uh, Devers or Bogarts leaves, it, it's going to get pretty ugly for a guy like Bloom. Oh, I, I'm going to make a prediction right now. If Bloom has a bad offseason this offseason, and the mm-hmm. Red Sox start out bad again in 2023, he will get fired before the 2023 season is over. I can guarantee that. Because, it, it, that it should happen. I, oh, absolutely. Sorry, I off, but I agree. No, you're good. You're good, man. No, it just, as you can tell, I can go on rants. But here's yeah. the thing, right? When you're any franchise, whether you're MLB, NHL, NFL, NBA, lacrosse, soccer, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. You want to make a profit for your organization. How do you make a profit? You put a good product on the field. How do you put a good product on the field? You spend the money. And that's the thing. These teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, I respect them, but they can't spend money. That's why they only go as far as they do. They've gotten to the playoffs consistently now, but they can't get past like the ALDS. Mm-hmm. They got to the World Series in 2020 because of the COVID year. That's great. They're wonderful. But they still haven't won a title. They still haven't. The Dodgers, look at the Dodgers. They won a title in 2020. The Atlanta Braves, they don't have a big market, but look at what Alex Anthopoulos is doing in Atlanta, he's keeping his core together on good contracts. The Braves are going to be good for a while. Mm-hmm. Why is it that when you have a top 10 payroll in baseball, I think they were top five before, now I think now they're down to six, but you're a top 10 payroll in baseball. Why not just keep the left side of your infield and then go spend more money on guys in the offseason that can help make your team better? Because last time I checked, you need another outfielder. You mm-hmm. can use another starting pitcher or two. I think you need a DH because J.D. Martinez is probably going to opt out and test free agency and will probably leave. Yep. So so what are we talking about here? Like, I don't want to see – the main thing that I'm going to say is this, and then I'll wrap up with this, and then, Andrew, you can wrap up with whatever you want to – whatever else you want to say with this, but stop talking. Get the deal done. Like, yeah. this, this is these are two deals 
you get them done before Thanksgiving, then you can go in and you can go all in in the offseason to try to contend in the AL East. Because if you look at the AL East, you couldn't beat the Rays. You had no shot against the Blue Jays. You barely could beat the Yankees. And the Orioles even got you this year. So you have a long way to go, and you need to spend, spend, spend to get yourself in position to actually contend. So we, say uh, we, we live in a fantasy land where Heim Bloom spent some money and is keeping Bogart's endeavors. Who who would you ideally like to see them go after? Because, I mean, there's a, a pretty big group of free agents that are going to be out there uh, that could be, I mean, huge helps to to – Boston. I mean, Aaron Judge obviously is going to be the, the headliner. If you, you know, if Hein Bloom decided to spend money, that could be a guy you bring to Boston. Yep. Um, there, there's Lorenzo Kane, who's a little bit older that you could bring in. Uh, Kevin Pillar is not a bad option. Uh, Joey Gallo, bring Ben Attendee back in the outfield. Pillar was here too in 2020. So he's yeah. a guy that knows Boston. So let me ask you this Do you want realistic or do you want a uh, dream scenario? I'll take, I'll, I'll take both because there, I mean, it, it's, Two very different realities. It's not oh, like yeah. these two things are very close to one another. Realistically, go get me Carlos Rodon, mm-hmm. a guy that can be, you know, left-handed pitcher in your rotation. Yep. Go get me Brad Hand from the Phillies mm-hmm. as a lefty reliever out of the pen and get me a bat. I don't care who it is. Now, in a fantasy land, get me Aaron Judge on a big contract. Yeah. Get me get me Jacob DeGrom away from the Mets. Like that, that's, that's fantasy land, but I realistically think they can get a starting pitcher because I'm going to tell you something, Andrew, Nick Pavetta, Brian Bayo, uh, Chris sale that can't stay healthy. Uh, uh, James Paxton. That's not healthy. And uh, Nathan Evaldi, who knows if he's going to be back. Michael Walker, who knows if he's going to be back. You need another starting pitcher. You need to shore up that bullpen and you need a couple of big power bats because you lacked in power this year. After Rafael Devers, who hit, I think, 27 home runs, the next guy had, I think, 19 or 20, and that was Trevor Story, who was out for the last half month of the year. The The pitching staff is all, the past few years has been tough to look at because mm-hmm. Chris Sale, it's like, oh, we have Chris Sale. Uh, oh, he's not playing. He's hurt. Um, so that, that's always been a tough thing to look at. And then you look at your ace has been uh, Evaldi. Um, you know, losing uh, Eduardo Rodriguez was tough, too. So I, I just the pitching staff has just been a, a, a real ragtag bunch of guys that's oh, yeah. uh, been, as a fan, you, you want names in there. I mean, they don't even have to be big names. It would be cool to see a guy like an Adam Wainwright sign with them because, you know, it's a name that's well-known in baseball. Uh, obviously, there's a couple more guys out there like DeGrom, Kershaw, Aaron Nola. would be great to see them get signed here, but I don't think that happens. But having just having a name on the pitching staff that can be pretty efficient for you is – a, a, a huge thing that they need, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Well, I'll tell you one thing that has to happen. These signings have to happen because if they don't, it's going to be really, really ugly. Yep. Heim will be without a job. Probably. That's pretty much it for this week. Again, Patriots blown out on Monday night against Chicago. That Andrew and I think they're somehow going to beat the Jets, which, I mean, anything can happen. The NFL is the year of upsets, so might as well you know, collect your money on those underdogs. Celtics look good. Red Sox, maybe they sign a guy or two, and the Bruins look good right now. So see what happens. All right, Andrew, you want to shout out your social media and shout out your podcast real quick before we wrap up? Yeah, sure. Go uh, go follow me on Twitter at Fresh Legs Diaz. Uh, and then also every Thursday, 
Uh, is it Saturday yet? Comes out uh, the Student Union Sports Podcast, uh, college football. Um, to myself, Liam Smith, Luke Owens, and Bryce Hopwood. So uh, you know we're getting towards the end of, uh, or I should say, it feels like the end of college football right now because the season flies by so fast. But uh, make sure you give that a listen. Uh, other than that, I got nothing. Hopper, we we love Hopper around yes. uh, around these necks of the woods. He's uh. He's good company. Liam's Liam's all right too. We, we'll, <laughs> we'll, keep, we'll keep Liam around. I don't know the the other kid, but I, I'm looking forward to meeting them. Definitely, hopefully. Well, Andrew, you had some tough topics. You did well. You're more than welcome to come back anytime you want. Absolutely, I, I'd love to. I appreciate you having me on. Of course, as always. Again, make sure to rate and subscribe to the Legends Lingo Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, everywhere where you can get your podcast on podcast platforms. Make sure to follow Andrew again at Fresh Legs Diaz and check out his podcast. Is it Saturday yet? Again, please make sure check out studentunionsports.com. Check out all the blogs. Check out all the podcasts on the network. We have Is It Saturday Yet? We have Legends Lingo. That's basically it for Andrew Diaz. I am your host, Alan Nahigian. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next week for episode 195. Yes, sir.